Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, well, we've got just some shocking news here in the world of video games, business, and law. On your screen, you can see the logo for EA Sports FIFA 21, a very popular soccer game or football game to my European and really anybody outside the American compatriots here in Virtual Legality. And the shocking news reads as followed, as discovered by the CBC Canada yesterday, video game giant EA steering players into loot box option in popular soccer game, Insider Says. Now, before we get into the meat of this, you can obviously tell from my tone I'm being a little sarcastic, also probably from the thumbnail where I say breaking companies want your money. This is an absolutely ludicrous headline to anybody that follows companies of all stripes, but the video game industry specifically. Yes, of course, a video game company is steering its players to where it views its highest margin sales opportunity. I've got news for you, folks. That's what companies do. When you go to that McDonald's and you order a hamburger and they say, would you like fries with that? That's McDonald's saying, hey, wouldn't you like to spend a little bit more money? If you go to the bottom of this article from the CBC and you scroll all the way down past all these pictures, past an ad or two, scrolling, 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 you'll get to a popular now in news link, which directs you to keep up with this website. Stay here. Let us sell you more ads, get more clicks by showing you other things that you might be interested in. This is the nature of the beast. Now, why is this presented in this fashion at all in this article? I would argue that it's because these folks that wrote this article, and certainly the person that leaked the information we're about to review in this video, don't like loot boxes. I've got news for you. I don't like loot boxes particularly myself. I grew up in an era of video games where everything was pretty much single player. Everything was pretty much on the cartridge or on the disc when you played it. And I'm not a big fan of microtransactions and loot boxes and cosmetic items. Really anything south of an expansion pack is not something that I'm terribly interested in. But these loot box options, as we will see in this article, have not been held to be illegal. We've talked about it extensively in virtual legality about how the gambling laws mostly prescribe a need to be able to cash out, to win or lose actual American dollars or euros or whatever your currency of choice is in order to be deemed gambling. Since you can never get dollars out of a FIFA Ultimate Team Pack or out of any of your preferred loot boxes, most of the laws as written today say, well, that's probably not gambling. Now, there are some outliers and some interesting margin cases that Electronic Arts and other video game companies are going to have to deal with, especially I think there's one in California that I was noting where their law is written a little bit differently. And it will be interesting to see how those come out. But for right now, as this article says, this is a legal methodology. It is a methodology that makes Electronic Arts and a lot of other video game companies a lot of money. And so presenting the fact that they are trying to steer players in the game that they've sold them into various modes of operation that make them the most money shouldn't be surprising to anyone. So this is a bit of a business and law video here in Virtual Legality. It's also a bit of video about press, how journalists respond to these things, as well as a press release messaging video. So you get the whole panoply of common topics here in Virtual Legality as we talk about FIFA Ultimate Team. In their subheading here on the CBC, Electronic Arts denies any part of FIFA 21 is linked to gambling and says spending on loot boxes is optional. Now let's dive in here. You can see whenever I use a lot of different highlight colors for a single sentence, that's where a lot of information lie. 
a gaming insider. So we have an anonymous source. And as we always do in virtual reality, we point out, we don't know from where that person is coming from, what tilt or biases that they have, or whether the information they've presented is accurate. But we can assume that it is, especially since as part of this video, we'll be talking about electronic arts responding to the news as if it is accurate. So we think it's somebody from inside Electronic Arts. There's really not a lot of people that would have access to this information. So we can basically target this person as somebody that has a connection with that publisher. A gaming insider says, an internal company document proves video game giant Electronic Arts is trying to drive players into a type of gameplay that encourages them to spend more money. Who could believe it? And which has come under fire for possible links to gambling. Now, there is a lot of base stealing and a lot of work done in that single sentence. Because as I said, from the headline, from the subheadline, and from this first sentence, somebody saying that a video game company is trying to use their product to drive players into a place where they are more likely to spend money is really not that interesting of a story. So you need the part that I've highlighted in red that says, well... Not only are they trying to sell them horse armor or expansion packs or cosmetic items in general, they're trying to force them into a mode that has come under fire for possible links to gambling. Come under fire from whom, you might ask? Passive voice, always fun, always good for journalism, certainly always good for opening subject lines of an article like this one, which leads us in to the crux of this particular article. First, they have to say, this is what's happening. This is a document that we've highlighted. Now, it's also worth worthy of note. They say it's a 54-some-odd page document. They only provided two pieces of material for us to review, and this is what they base their article on. So what you're looking at right now is what appears to be, what is alleged to be, and what Electronic Arts seems to confirm is an internal document of the FIFA team, what I would suspect is actually the FIFA Ultimate Team engagement, realization, player metric team, whatever they wind up calling it inside Electronic Arts, whose job it is to get players invested in in the FIFA Ultimate team and that side of the equation, because of course the company makes money there. So here's what they told their management, their bosses, the board, whomever. We have more active players at this point in FIFA than ever. They say they have 5.3 million daily active users as a four-week average playing FIFA And among those, presumably out of those, since FIFA Ultimate Team is part of FIFA, 3 million of them play FIFA Ultimate Team. So that's more than half are playing FIFA Ultimate Team based on whatever description they're using for a daily active user. Whatever their metric of success, it's working. Most players that play FIFA, that own a copy of FIFA, are playing FIFA Ultimate Team. Now, what is the next point here? The team is squarely focused on engaging current players through mid-September. Not really a lot to hang them on for that one. It's not a bad thing for video game companies to focus on engaging their current players. So what's the third bullet? Players will be actively messaged and incentivized to convert throughout the summer. Now, these bits of language can have a lot of different meanings depending on who you're talking to, what company you're talking about. But this seems to suggest that those 2.3 some odd million FIFA players that don't currently engage in FIFA Ultimate Team because they haven't seen the light your electronic arts, you just think your offering is so good, they need to know about it. They'll be actively messaged. We'll get you a little ping or an email or whatever FIFA does in FIFA 21 to tell you, hey, did you know we got a FIFA Ultimate team here? You have a free pack of cards or whatever. Incentivized to convert, we'll give you diamonds or gems or whatever currency FIFA Ultimate team uses. If you can't tell, I don't play FIFA Ultimate team. I haven't played FIFA in some time, although I've enjoyed it when I have played it. For FIFA Ultimate team is the cornerstone. And this is where they get in trouble. We are doing everything we can 
to drive players there. Now, this is marketing speak, right? In a legal contract, you don't want to say anything like that because everything a corporation can is a whole heck of a lot, some of which is not necessarily legal. So they're doing everything they can by incentivizing players, actively messaging players, giving free money to players to come on over and try the FIFA Ultimate Team experience. The return of football is only going to help us and plans are ready to flex. And this is perfectly normal for FIFA or Madden or NBA 2K. You want to align a lot of your marketing initiatives with the start of the season that your players are going to be most excited and invested in. So what do they ultimately say here that's in, they're getting them in trouble? They're going to engage current players. They're going to message and incentivize other players to convert over to FIFA Ultimate Team and that it's the cornerstone of their product and that they are doing everything they can to drive players there. What are some of those things? Well, this appears to relate to a summer marketing move, but it says returning league play will boost our ability to tie into the real world and excite players with football ultimate team content to reflect what's happening on the pitch. We've seen that in Madden and FIFA and other aspects of the electronic arts sports empire. Content teasers and targeted Aruba messaging will drive excitement and funnel players towards FUT from other modes. We're going to Encourage those players. They're going to be actively messaged, incentivized, welcome packs, messages, content teasers, kickstart the experience. We're going to provide compelling campaign assets for in-game and out-of-game marketing. We're going to have fancy pictures and cool banners and nice sound effects and whatever else it is. It's going to say, come on, check out FUT. It's where it's happening. And we're going to provide those assets to drive consistent player journey from POS probably not what you think it is based on the common vernacular, it's point of sale in this context, through FIFA Ultimate Team conversion. We're going to use marketing. We're going to use messaging. We're going to use incentives to move people out of this 2.3 million block over into the 3 million plus block because FIFA Ultimate Team is where we make margins, is where we make money. If you take loot boxes out of this, and they aren't described here at all, which is one of the things that Electronic Arts will point out, If you take those loot boxes out of this, there is absolutely nothing that is controversial about this statement. This is McDonald's offering fries. This is newspaper websites offering additional news, things that they think you might be interested in. If you're more familiar with video games, this is GameStop saying, hey, wouldn't you like to get that as a pre-order or as a pre-owned game instead of as a new game? Why? Because that's where they make their biggest margins. They try to move customers into an area where they make the most money. So none of this should really surprise or shock anyone. Where it becomes an issue is when in your article, when in your description, you frame it all as loot boxes are evil. And I'm not here to dissuade you if you believe that is the point, that loot boxes are evil, they need to be regulated, they need to be taken away. One of the facts is that they haven't been so far. There's nothing illegal about them right now, as far as we know, and certainly there are lawsuits proceeding on that premise, But they aren't illegal as we know. So what we're really talking about is a company doing what companies do in a way that some people don't like. Whereas this article continues, gamers never know what they'll get when they buy a loot box. Critics say that randomness, coupled with bells and whistles that go off when a box opens within the game, makes them addictive and akin to gambling. The features of a loot box are similar to a slot machine. Nothing is more attractive and in some people addictive to the brain than intermittent variable reward. That might be the case. Certainly, there are a lot of things out there in the world that we allow because a lot of people can handle them and that we regulate for certain things because some people can't. Some of those include casinos, which are generally allowed in a lot of jurisdictions, but have certain rules 
about them. Certainly, while I'm not a big fan of loot boxes and don't really buy them all too often, I can get behind certain rules and regulations that say be more transparent with what is potentially in those. If you've got the possibility for a legendary, let it be known it's one out of six billion. And maybe people can better assess their risk reward ratio when they're deciding whether or not to buy that loot box. I'm all in favor of those kinds of things. But when you just kind of pound the table on these things are bad, I think you lose a lot of folks that aren't necessarily convinced of your premise from the start. Continuing with the article, it's that backdrop that the insider says compelled him to leak the document. He says he and others he knows who work on video games don't feel good about projects that include loot boxes. CBC News has agreed not to identify him as he says he fears professional repercussions. Yeah, releasing confidential materials from your employers is, yeah, that's professional repercussions. We can't really do anything about it because at the end of the day, the company is trying to make money and satisfy investors. Yes, as we've talked about in virtual legality, when you've got an audience for something and they like to purchase that something, you have to have a pretty darn good reason to take it away when you're otherwise spending other people's money to create products and services. That's what we call fiduciary duty under the law. Now, you don't have to like loot boxes. And a lot of companies can make their sales and make their money and return on investment without them. And certainly, I think Electronic Arts has pressed too far in certain instances with things like loot boxes. But yes, their job is to make money for the people that gave them their money to have it make more. And so when you're talking about these things, yes, the video game developers are important, but certainly from a business perspective, you can't just disclaim the need for these companies to make money and to spend it wisely. And that kind of goes with the loot box argument, right? I'm all in favor of looking at it and having series of seminars and platforms review whether or not it should be regulated and having that conversation in earnest. But it's important to note that a number of people like them, like loot boxes, like to have that engagement as part of their video game experience and should be allowed to have that product or service. And I think that gets lost a little bit in the wash when you have a CBC article that comes out and says this person at Electronic Arts really doesn't like making games with loot boxes. And then we're going to proceed with 17 paragraphs of why they are bad. When halfway through the article, we get to loot boxes are not illegal in Canada or the U.S. And many game and app companies offer similar enticements, letting players spend money on options and add-ons that enhance gameplay and are profitable for the companies. EA is earning big bucks from the loot boxes. Based on annual reports, the California-based multinational company earned $1.49 billion in 2020 from loot boxes in its sports titles alone. This is big business, and you can hate it. You can think it's taking advantage of people, either on a mental or emotional or an addiction level, and you could say something needs to be done. That's fine. But in this particular article, framing out, hey, we're going to move people to FIFA Ultimate Team, doesn't let you just say, that should be something I'm shocked by. Or as the article says, and EA will reiterate in their own statement, you can play without spending a dollar. Now, this article then says you'll learn it takes a long time to earn coins and you'll get frustrated pretty fast. Maybe, in my experience, and I don't know how many share my particular proclivities for video games, I actually lose my interest in a game that has these kind of grind mechanics if I wind up spending money because I like to fill bars and I'm an RPG player at heart. So I like that they're there to go earn me packs of various things and to play around with them. Not that I'll ever be the best FIFA Ultimate Team player or any other thing that uses loot boxes as his primary kind of compensation mechanism. But in general, I don't like spending money on them. I prefer to fill those bars and earn those coins as grindy as they may be. This insider then has some own editorial thoughts. Grinding in video games is slang for doing the same monotonous task over and over again to the point where it's no longer fun. 
it seems like EA games are designed to be boring, to be a grind, and to encourage people of all ages to spend money on card packs. And indeed, that's the kind of thing you hear, both in the comments in virtual legality and on the internet at large, that some of these game developers and publishers might well look at the microtransaction money to be made, whether it's in loot boxes or some other form, and make their games slightly worse in order to incentivize people to pay money for them. You see this alleged at Ubisoft all the time for games like Assassin's Creed, which sells currency and I think in certain iterations of it sold maps to treasure chests that you would otherwise have difficulty finding over a long period of time. And I think that's certainly worthwhile of conversation, but it's completely editorial here. This is an insider. You don't need his quote for this. This is something that you could actually talk to people about. Certainly, if we aren't talking about specific addiction, chemical imbalances or other addictive qualities like a gambling problem with respect to these loot boxes, there do appear to be a number of people, $1.5 billion worth, that like the product and service that is being offered by Electronic Arts. And you can think that that is completely unethical and that all these people are being taken advantage of. I will tell you it's not all the people, but you can think that it's a lot of the people and that something must be done, but that is part and parcel of the conversation that is necessary to be had. Because if people are enjoying something, whether it's casinos next door or whether it's alcohol at the bar down the street, prohibition in and of itself is probably not the right answer. Because a lot of people can deal with things like loot boxes just fine. I've been playing games with loot boxes forever, and I've spent maybe $100 over the last 20 years on them. And I know that that doesn't incorporate loot box time the entire period, but it's just not something that I enjoy doing. I tend to buy them when I want to give a tip to somebody that's making a mobile game and they otherwise are offering it free to play. But not everybody is like me. Not everybody is like you. Not everybody is like those folks that are dealing with an actual addiction to these kinds of things and really probably should be staying away from certain things that cause them problems. But it also doesn't mean that FIFA is being held back by these loot boxes. And I'm going to need more evidence to prove that point. It's a very slanted type of article that CBC ran with here, basically assuming the premise that loot boxes are evil and that electronic arts by moving people towards them is evil by proxy. And they might be right, but if they are, they didn't present the evidence that I need to get to that kind of conclusion in this article. And I'd be interested in what you think in the comments to this video based on this presentment and what we're going to talk about in EA's response. The insider says the company has always emphasized that the ultimate team mode is optional and that players don't have to use real money for loot boxes. So he says he was shocked to see the industry giant acknowledge that it's doing everything it can to steer players into the mode. Here's where I think we have just kind of a either a naivete or a disconnect between how companies work, what they say, and what words mean. Because saying I'm going to incentivize someone to move over to FIFA Ultimate Team, or I'm going to send them a message reminding us that we're here, maybe even giving them an extra pack or a diamonds or whatever it is that you get in order to buy things in FIFA, doesn't make anybody do anything. Incentives are not mandates. And Electronic Arts knows that, and they're not mandating anybody go over to buy a loot box. They're not even mandating that anybody go over into FIFA Ultimate Team. They're saying that they're going to try to encourage people to come over there. And if you were just assuming that EA was an absolute saint, that they had a spotless, blemish-free record, and that everybody loved them, you could read this very same document as saying, we've got this wonderful product out there, and we just want to make sure that everybody knows it exists. This isn't about the money. We just think you'd love FIFA Ultimate Team if you gave it a chance. Now, I think that's just as naive as our insider here in this article. But the truth lies somewhere in the middle. 
that Electronic Arts is putting out a product or service that a lot of people appear to enjoy. Three million people aren't just addicted to loot boxes. And Electronic Arts wants people to understand that product and service that so many people enjoy. Why? Because it makes them money. Absolutely. For years, they've been able to act with a layer of plausible deniability, the insider said. Yet, in their internal documents, they're saying, this is our goal. We want people driven to the card pack mode. And yes, we are doing everything we can to drive players there. Again, that's the kind of language that does get you in trouble when you're looking at it from a journalist's perspective. But again, when we look at this from a marketing perspective, of course, they're trying to get the journey to quote unquote conversion over to FIFA Ultimate Team. They're trying to get players to engage in a mode that makes them money. So we don't really see all of this shock and awe and everything else that the CBC is presenting here because it's the way businesses work. In responding to the gambling issue, EA actually goes out of its way and says, we take great care to ensure that all activity related to playing EA games is designed to stay in the game and we actively police and take action against anyone found to be attempting to violate those rules. Now, we'll come back to this point, but this notion of keeping a market inside of FIFA, inside the digital landscape, is of paramount importance to the gambling discussion. These laws, as we've talked about in virtual legality, are written to say, as long as you don't have monetary value in the real world, then basically you're going to be okay in most instances. That's why we did a video earlier this month that talked about the issue that an electronic arts individual personnel at their company was moving FIFA things around for money, was giving people ultimate team players, and how that threatened the entire gaming industry because once the veil comes down, once it's apparent, which I think intuitively we understand, even though the law doesn't necessarily see things the same way, that a given FIFA Ultimate Team card really does have value, somebody's willing to pay 900 pounds for it, then if Electronic Arts is itself doing that, fomenting a secondary market in these kinds of goods, well then, all bets are off, so to speak, on what loot boxes are actually going to be held as. Player describes loot box rush. They bring in somebody that claims to be addicted to, I think it was FIFA Ultimate Team, but just in general, loot boxes to try to frame them in a specific way. And then they finish with a researcher that says, every single time we look for it, we find the same relationship. The people who spend heavily on loot boxes tend to have high levels of problem gambling, but what the research doesn't tell him is whether problem gamblers are drawn to loot boxes or whether loot boxes are creating problem gamblers. And hey, it might be the case that loot boxes are the devil and are creating problems where they didn't exist. And these are all worthy of study and I'm not gonna take that away from anybody. But I am gonna comment on an article that is as slanted as this one that assumes its premise that loot boxes are evil despite not being illegal and then feigns shock as purported by an insider working at Electronic Arts that the company moves people towards its highest margin product or service, which is perhaps a little bit stronger, but of the same vein as what Electronic Arts wound up saying in response. We make games to be fun and enjoyable for large global audiences. FIFA is one of the largest games in the world with an incredibly vibrant and engaged community. FIFA Ultimate Team has been part of our FIFA games for more than a decade and tens of millions of passionate fans from all parts of the world love the experience, the connection to the real world sport, and the fun and excitement of competition that it provides. Again, it's a press release from Electronic Arts about their game, right? So it's all fluff here, all smoke and mirrors. We can't really grab onto anything specific just yet. We seek every day to provide players with content choices that fuel their excitement and connection to the sport and their friends. 
which is why we're so disappointed in a recent media report about FUT, which ignored important information and context, the result being a sensationalized story with a misrepresentation of the facts. And you look at a statement like that, and once again, you can see it from either direction, right? From Electronic Arts, they want to say, look, our job is to create entertainment, is to make video games engaging for the players that are involved in them. And so when you see a marketing slide like this, we're going to do marketing, we're going to keep content up, we're going to have teasers, we're going to drive excitement. We're trying to make it as engaging as possible. And if you want to say that makes us money, then the right answer from an economics perspective is that we're properly aligned in our incentives. If making more players happy and giving them more engagement and more of what they want makes us more money, then everything's functioning just fine, Senator, and we can proceed. Now, if you're against electronic arts, you look at something like this, it's essentially an admission of guilt. We seek every day to essentially hook people more. We're a drug dealer and we're trying to make people more addicted to the drug that we sell. Again, it's a matter of perspective, but I think it's important when you're here in virtual legality to try to take that as neutrally as possible and suggest that there are people that enjoy the mechanisms at play in FIFA Ultimate Team that aren't necessarily just simply addicted to loot boxes. Now, they're disappointed in the recent media report, which they say sensationalized the story, and I would tend to agree with them. Not a big fan of electronic arts messaging usually, but I have to say, as we just looked at in that CBC article, that not a lot of effort was made to look at the issue from both sides, to see a company that's trying to engage its audience and to say, maybe that's what that company should be doing. You don't have to agree with that premise, by the way, but that is how a story of this ilk should be presented. As Electronic Arts says, the facts are, we always look for opportunities to introduce more players to modes in our games. Our FIFA players are expecting fresh content that makes the service exciting. So that's a constant focus for us. We try to provide services for our customers that our customers will enjoy. Who could be upset at that? We do not push people to spend in our games. Where we provide the choice, we are very careful not to promote spending over earning in the game, and the majority of FIFA players never spend money on in-game items. There's a lot here, right? Loot boxes aren't illegal. Microtransactions aren't illegal. Spending in video games for either of those things isn't illegal. This appears to be giving up a little bit of rhetorical ground. We don't push people to spend in our games. Now, that's difficult to prove in and of itself. We'd have to take it on Electronic Arts on faith. And that's not exactly what this looks like when we look at the marketing, when we talk about actively messaging and incentivized to convert, et cetera. You're probably trying to convert them because it makes more money for you, as we know from some of the other stats that are out there. But you're trying to slice this onion very thinly. We do push people into FUT, but if they spend money there, it's up to them. We just happen to have a lot of incentives and a lot of light shows and a lot of various horns and things that go off when you spend money on one of the cards that you buy from us. Have you ever actually opened a loot pack from Call of Duty? It's like a fireworks show. It's crazy what you get if you give them a couple bucks. Absolutely crazy. We don't try to push people to that. We just try to encourage them over into football, into FIFA Ultimate Team. We're very careful not to promote spending over earning in the game. That gives away a little bit of the game, right? You think about that and you say, okay, that's a good point. I like that Electronic Arts doesn't do that. Is that the kind of thing that should be regulated? Should that be a requirement? that a publisher, not just in a press release, says we are very careful not to do this, but that they shouldn't do it specifically. That you should say, okay, you can have loot boxes, but the ability to earn things without spending money or without going through the loot box should be as equally promoted as available as the loot box itself. Electronic Arts says they're doing it already. So what would the argument be if you're putting that to Electronic Arts? 
And the majority of FIFA players never spend money on in-game items. Right. So when we look at these numbers, majority of FIFA Ultimate players, we know that that's 1.5 plus million at least. And so now you've got 1.5 million FIFA Ultimate Team players spending 1.5 billion on the loot boxes. I look at that and say, well, Electronic Arts trying to defend you here with the legality of the loot boxes and the fact that I think people should be allowed to do what they want with their money. And I see a very small number of people comparatively buying a whole heck of a lot of loot boxes in your video games. Now, 1.5 billion is inclusive of Madden, I think, and potentially some other sports games that I'm not remembering that Electronic Arts makes, but the point still stands, as we've always known from things like loot boxes and microtransactions, a comparatively small section of the audience actually buys these things and spends the money on them. Electronic Arts then goes to defend the marketing overall, saying summer is very active. Decisions to spend are always entirely optional. That might be true. I'm not entirely certain what a non-optional decision to spend looks like in Electronic Arts land. Uh, I don't think that Electronic Arts can come out of the TV screen and put a gun to your head and require your credit card information, but you never know. We're getting on there in 2021. But it is entirely optional, and it is an important part of the discussion. When the insider from Electronic Arts tells the CBC that this piece of marketing puts paid to the lie that people have their own options, it really doesn't. This is from a similar kind of rhetorical landscape that says, if I convince you of something, I have forced you to do it. And that's just not the case, either in reality or under the law. Electronic Arts is allowed to say, hey, we've got this other section of the video game here. Please come try it. And yes, if you do, this is where we make most of our money. That didn't force anybody over there. It didn't force anybody to spend on anything. You can find it untowards and unethical, but that's a little bit different from what it's been described as in the article, which basically treats it as evil. Nothing in the leaked document contradicts this in any way. I tend to agree. It shows how we are supporting engagement in our game during the summer period, not spending. We take very seriously our responsibility to provide players a safe and fun experience. We don't encourage young players to spend in our games. And we strongly recommend use of family controls to manage the content that children are allowed to access, their ability to spend in games, and how much time they can play. And this is another area which I've talked about in virtual legality where I have said, if you are really concerned in particular about miners spending on loot boxes, the answer, in my view, is for hardware manufacturers to not allow prepaid cards to buy things that resemble loot boxes. If you have to give a live credit card number to the hardware manufacturer in order to get those things at the time that the loot box is purchased, then, well, you've got the right line of consent of somebody that holds a credit card that should be in the age of majority. And if they don't, well, then the parents let the card get away and the numbers, and we can't really correct for that in every instance in its entirety anyway. Right now, your big loophole is that you can go to GameStop or Best Buy or wherever. You can get a prepaid card. You can use it on these things, and miners can pay for those things in cash, and there's really no protection for minor expenses on these kinds of things. And I say that uh, not in the uh, mining Snow White gem variety, but of the lacking the age of majority in whatever jurisdiction you might find yourself, which is, in fact, different ages in the various countries of the world. They also want to finish off their statement by talking about this whole dirty gambling issue. We also firmly disagree that FIFA or any of our games involve gambling. Regulators in multiple countries around the world have stated publicly that where there is no cash out method, loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We take great care to ensure that our games are played as designed, including by taking action against those who violate our rules against trading outside the game. We do not believe there is merit in any of the recent litigation filed in the U.S. or Canada and are confident the courts will agree. Which again brings me back to EA Gate, right? It is so important 
for Electronic Arts and Activision and everybody else that sells these kinds of products, loot boxes, into video game ecosystems to establish that they have no outside real world value, that an insider at one of the companies selling them for outside real world value is quite the dagger. And I do think if you really hate loot boxes and you want to see those regulators and those laws applied against them, this is the story. This is the hook that you hang your hat on in order to have that conversation. People are willing to pay hundreds of dollars, hundreds of pounds to get these things. Sir, how can you say they don't have value in the real world, despite what your terms of service might suggest? Now, do I think they are gambling? I think they're in a gray area between what we think of as casino gambling and what the law actually controls at this point in time. But like all things with respect to the law, I'm in favor of it being evaluated by the actual legislatures of the jurisdictions in question, rather than trying to reshape the existing law to handle things that it was never designed to handle. Because down that way lies madness and activist judges of either stripe. And you just don't want to do it. Have the legislature go and say, if this is a problem, we will address it and have that conversation and investigation on the merits of the question rather on, oh, it's so shocking that they sell loot boxes. We hope to see these facts more accurately represented in the future. In the meantime, we continue to work every day to ensure our FIFA Ultimate Team players have the best possible experience playing the game they love. Thanks, Electronic Arts. And like usual with an Electronic Arts press statement, it's got its gilding the lily and its smoke screens everywhere. But I do think for this particular discussion, they have the better part of it. This isn't at all shocking. This doesn't use language that shocks me at all. This is what companies do. And the fact of the matter is you don't like how Electronic Arts makes its money, but none of this changed any of that. You're just using it as a hook to sensationalize against loot boxes, which is your right. You're journalists. Don't fight people who buy ink by the barrel. But I also find it a little bit underhanded, and I'm actually on Electronic Arts side here in terms of their response, even though, let's be frank, Electronic Arts, one of these bullets should be like, hey, that's where we make the most money. Come at us, bro. And that's been virtual legality for today. If you enjoy talking about the business and law of video games, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon. We've got Streamlabs, a store. We've got all sorts of manners of ways in which you can support us, including just by subscribing, giving a thumbs up, even a thumbs down, leaving a comment, and most importantly, telling your friends that we're having these discussions because they're important discussions to have. They're going to impact the video game industry in the near term, not the long term. And I love having them with you and having people come in, giving their own thoughts, and the rest. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.